Hey everybody, welcome to Seat Time. Brian Pierce here, episode 62. If everything has gone the way I think it has, I know that I have Barry Hawk on the line right now, but what's going to happen is going forward, uh, I have he's just on the phone right now, and that's okay. He's, he's too pretty for video is kind of part of it, but what we're going to do is we're going to ask some questions, see how the evening's going, and kind of get some input on what he thinks about all the GNCC racing that's been going on, a lot of the enduro stuff, maybe some enduro cross. I don't know. We'll see what he thinks about that, and then kind of just going into 2013 and where he thinks this year is going to go. So, Barry, as we were saying... I really kind of only have a couple pictures of you here, but we're going to put those up. But I want to know, man, how was your evening going? I'd imagine that you were setting things up for the Ironman GNCC. Is that anywhere near correct? That is correct. Actually, I just got back from dinner about 10 minutes ago and uh, basically worked from daylight to dark today. Got here last night out here at uh, Crawfordville, Indiana. and Got up, got here last night, and uh, this morning hit the woods and... Uh, on the dirt bike and kind of I got a game plan in my head which way I want to go and what I want to do and uh the the big thing is once I kind of get done with the bike then I get on the quad and go out and start putting up arrows and make uh changes as uh as I think they needed or whatever so it's uh I think it was a pretty productive day awesome well that's good to hear that you've had a productive day but I I kind of want to know so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about your history when it comes to being a quad racer and a dirt bike racer, but there's been some, I guess, talk earlier this year about people referring to the GNCC series as being the same old tracks, and, you know, it, it is hard, you know, they run the quads on one day, they run the motorcycles on the other day, to kind of let everybody know, can you give a little bit of backstory on maybe some of the history of some of these loca uh, venues, and then as well, you know, what what you guys have to go through to kind of make, you know, make these courses happen considering you have quads one day and then as well, dirt bikes another. Well, for example, uh, I'll use the Ironman track. I mean, that's where I'm at out here in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Uh, I got here and, and what we keep in mind is normally when we lay out the track, everybody, Everybody assumes Jeff Russell does most of it, and he does a lot, but he, he doesn't really set up the list, I guess you could say. He, he's leaving it up to me. Right. And uh, he basically lays out the pits and where the finish and where the start's going to be. So he, and like I said, he's leaving the woods up to me, and if it goes good out there, then I guess I get a pat on the back. If not, <laughs> then, you know, I'm the guy that's going to get yelled at or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, we got here today, and... Uh, you know, it's it, it's really hard to give guys. I I know the uh, the bike guys want a lot of single track, and it's hard to give them all single track on a track that we've raced for years and years. Right. Like for example, I think we this may be like the 18th year or something, 17th year that we've raced here. So the woods here, you know, I basically almost everywhere in the woods has been raced at one time or another. So that being said, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that being said, you know, that's what a lot of the guys, the bike guys, you know, we want single track. We want new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. And it's hard to give new stuff when you've raced somewhere for a long time. But on the other hand, uh, a good example of the guys wanting new stuff, we raced at another Indiana track earlier this year in Springville, Indiana, 
and everybody seemed to come away from there. Everybody really liked it. But there wasn't a lot of new stuff there. It was new to the GNCC crowd because we haven't raced there, but I don't even, because it's actually a riding park, so it comes back to, I guess, maybe the guys think they want new stuff, but if it comes down to it, as long as the track is fun and it flows good, I think that's really all that matters. So, I mean, I try to do what I can to put in new stuff, but but also, I guess, guys, a lot of people, they know the ATVs race on Saturday, but we, uh, it, for example, here in Indiana, we have the UTVs on Saturday. So, actually, we have four races on Saturday and three races on Sunday. <laughs> There's a lot of racing. <laughs> so, yeah, and everybody uses the same start and the same finish and a lot of the trackside pitting. So, a lot of that is going to, it has to be common track, I call it, for everyone. Because everyone, you can't just put bikes over in one field and quads in one field and UTV parking in another field. That it that takes up, you know, most places, this place may have enough parking to do that. But then that comes down to where well, then you've got to set up a different pro pits for bikes and pro pits for quads and UTVs. And so we try and make it convenient for everyone to pull in and everything's in one area so everybody has to race that common track to the start to the finish and in along the pits now once we get away from the pits that's when i can kind of maybe change things up a little bit for the atvs on saturday versus the bikes on sunday so right. it's really uh you know back when i was racing atvs back in the 90s and then the bikes in the 2000s uh you know it I, I always knew there was a lot of work involved in setting up the track, but now being on this side of it, it's really, it's way more than I ever imagined. I mean, there's probably 12 guys here today, and it's only Tuesday setting up for this race. Wow. Man, that's... So there really, there's a lot that goes into it, and it's really, I, I wish I could give guys, you know, new trail everywhere, but a lot of it comes down to, having the time to make the changes because if if you have the 10 o'clock race for the amateurs on sunday then when it comes to the one o'clock race you only have so many guys that know where to make the changes for the one o'clock guys because the one o'clock guys normally can ride a lot more technical stuff right so if i have that set up and we can put that in and it's a fairly easy change i guess that's what we call it, a change. You're making a change out, you know, for example, the four-mile marker, you got to change, and you can put in more technical stuff at the four. That's what we want to do. But you can't make – pretty much we can make about four to five changes from the time the 10 o'clock race to the 1 o'clock race. And if you think about the times, well, you think, well, you got 10 to 1. Well, really, you don't. You only have – it's a two-hour – from 10 to 12, they race. And then by the time we have our sweep guy clear the track – after the 12 o'clock race, that usually takes anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. So that gives you 30 minutes at the most to make all these changes. So it really comes down to, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, you need the right guys in the right places to make the changes. And there's really a lot that goes into it. And, you know, I, I wish that we could have more time and more land and places to do it. But you know, and unfortunately, sometimes it we can't do it, but yeah. we're doing 
the best we can for the guys to have as much fun as they can. That's what it all comes down to is, you know, the guys having fun. Yeah, and I definitely, I don't think you can uh, debate the fact that everybody's having fun. The racing that we've gotten this year has been absolutely awesome. I've really enjoyed it. My first uh, GNCC that I was able to make it out to was last year for Loretta Lynn's uh, that I was ever able to, you know, make it at in person. I didn't get to race, but we were there doing the awesomeness competition with the Concept 2 rower and a couple other deals. So much fun walking around the track, right. seeing all that. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, it, it, sure, some of the tracks are wide, but like as you said, those are the sections that fit the quads, and then they have the tighter single track where you make it happen. You know, we did the same thing in Toro where some of the minis races, they may not, they might not be able to do 12, 14 miles you know, of a long, long track. So we would cut it down to eight. You know, you just have a splitter when their race goes off, you split it, boom, and they make it back around and everybody gets their stuff. But as you say, you got to logistically, you really have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And it is one thing, you know, or it is something that a lot of people don't think about when they're the 1 p.m. race on a Sunday and they've been waiting all weekend and you've been working the whole time and they don't have a clue what it really takes to make everything go on up until their race. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And, I think this year, um, well, actually, I started last year helping out in uh, half of the season, actually up, I think, to the eighth or ninth race last year, Buren Hamrick. Basically, I'm doing what Buren done, setting up all the wood stuff, the woods part of the track, not the pits or whatever. Jeff's still doing that. But Buren, last year after Snowshoe, he said that, you know, he kind of, he wasn't having as much fun anymore as he used to have, and he wanted to step aside. and And I think you know it's perfect for me to step in and do it. And uh, you know, it's it's really a lot of work, and it's really stressful for me because back when I was racing, I had to worry about myself. I mean, yeah, you're racing on the track with with other guys, and you lap guys, and you, you got to kind of predict. Well, okay, well, if I can pass him on the right, is he going left, and all that? But you had to worry about yourself. Now I've got to worry about a thousand racers total <laughs> from Saturday and Sunday. I've got to worry about everybody. So if the race something happens and it goes wrong, it's my fault. So instead of worrying about myself, I've got a bunch of other people to worry about and to try to make the tracks safe and make it fun for everyone. And that, and I've learned real quick, you're not going to make everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, there's no if I can make way. if I, if I can, <laughs> yeah. If I can make the majority of the guys happy, then, you know, I, I, I guess I'm doing my job. And, and I want to make everyone happy, but someone's going to get stuck in a mud hole and someone's not going to make a hill climb or whatever, and they're going to be upset about it. But, you know, I, I got a – I guess I didn't get a lot of flack, but at the Kentucky race this year, we put a, a really technical rocky hill climb in for the 1 o'clock race. And I had a guy – pretty highly respected guy and it i've since talked to him after that but he was uh really giving me while the race was going on he kept telling me this was probably the second lap that the guys had went by and he's like you're taking it out you're taking it out and i said no i'm not taking it out the guys are getting up but yes some of the guys are struggling but everybody's making it up the hill it's not ending anybody's race they're making it. Yeah, there's people there helping some of the guys that can't make it. They're helping pull them up the hill. Yeah. But the race is conti- – it's not stopping the race. The race is continually going. And the pro riders, some of the guys, Rory Mead went up it and made it look like anybody could <laughs> go up Walking it. on flat ground. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And this guy, you know, he's like, why well, this is dumb. You know, you should – you need to take it out. And I'm like, but why? And he was like – he was so mad that 
it was almost like he didn't even want to talk to me. But, you know, everybody ended up getting up the hill and everybody made it. And after the race, it, it actually was a race after that, he came up to me and said, hey, I need to apologize. I didn't realize who you were. And I was giving you a lot of crap and, you know, about the hill being in there and, you know, you should have took it out. And he said, that was the right call to leave it in. You knew what you were doing. So, you know, at the time, what's that? That's good, though, that he kind of, you know, once he got his senses about him, that he came and actually apologized and realized that he may have been spouting off heat more than he was, you know, logic. (laughs) Right, right. And at the time, as he was, you know, kind of, he wasn't yelling at me. He, He was, I guess, maybe giving me his constructive criticism, which I was listening to, and I never got upset upset with him. But, you know, as he's telling me this, I'm thinking, well, you know, should I take it out? You know, and then I thought, you know, I, no, I'm not taking it out. And I'm not taking it out because he's telling me to. I'm not taking it out because the guys are still doing it. It's giving them something technical instead of just, you know, the same old, same old track that, you know, that some of the guys have said that we've had in the past. So, you know, it's it's one of the things where, and, and I've been the racer on the quad, I've been a racer on the bike, and I'm far from knowing everything about racing, but I've been a, probably made more laps around the GNCC track than anyone ever in history. So I do have a little bit, I guess, you know, of knowledge on my side to think that the guys can do stuff, and, and I think it, you know, it comes back to making the tracks fun and making them flow and you know, maybe slowing them down a little bit. And by slowing them down a little bit, I guess it's easy for me to go out there if there's existing trails and just put arrows up and have the guys get on the existing trail. If guys say, well, just move it over 20 feet. Well, if you move it over 20 feet, maybe there's a reason you can't go over. Maybe there's a bad mud hole or there's a, uh, a cliff or something. You can't do that. But in places that I can do that, I'm trying to do that. Yeah, it's more work. you got to cut some trees and move limbs and put more moose tape up and all that stuff. But when it comes down to it at the end, if the guys are having fun, you know, that's what they want, then that's what I'm giving them. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I have no complaints. You know, all the footage that I've seen uh, not being able to race have, uh, you know, shown some amazing tracks. So from my vantage point on the TV and at my computer, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. It looks amazing. <laughs> so thank you, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's 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 a lot of work, but you know, I guess now my you know the the thing I like to hear now instead of you know winning a race and people say, oh yeah, you were flying today. You know now I guess the the best thing I can hear now is you know hey it was a fun track. You know we had they, you know guys I've had guys tell me hey I didn't do worth a crap today. I barely finished and I got tenth place or whatever, but it was a fun track. Man. And, you know, to me, that's, that's, you know, basically what it's all about. Yeah, it's good that you could take pride in what you do, and it's cool enough that you get to make racetracks for a living. There's definitely not enough of us that can say that. Um, back back when you were, you know, twisting the throttle for a living, if you will, you won seven ATV championships, and, you know, you got the 2003 uh, bike championship as well. So eight GNCC championships all together. Now, people could say which you know, which one was harder, which, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I think four wheelers are harder in probably this aspect and motorcycles could be harder in this aspect. But if you were to say which championship was the hardest to get, which championship would you say that was? What year and what, you know, what made it that hard? Oh man, that's a tough call. I've never had that question before. Um, I don't know the exact year, but I'm going to say it was probably 1997 or 98 on the quad. 
I had a lot of, well, not a lot, but I had probably three or four mechanical issues at some races and didn't finish. And, you know, back then, the, you counted, I think, your best nine out of 13 races, so you had throwaway races. Okay. But I still end up winning a championship, but, uh, in, and I can't tell you the exact year, but that one probably sticks out. There was that one year I had a, quite a few mechanical problems. Um, the bike side, I won in 2003. It wasn't easy, but I won five races that year, and I finished on the podium at another six races, and I had two races that year where I finished sixth. So that yeah, you, you so did the really good side, that year. <laughs> the war- yeah, yeah, everything went really good that year, and then uh, that was 2003, and then. 2004, I end up, I crashed at maybe like the fifth round or something, and I end up breaking like three bones up around my eye socket and my nose and stuff. And I was, end up, I was wondering why you were so attractive. Um, what's that? <laughs> I said I was wondering how you figured out a way to be so attractive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had some problems in 2004 then. Once I got healthy after that, I came back at the end of the year, and I won three out of four races at the end of 2004. But 2005, 2006, and 2007, I ended up finishing second those three years. Yeah, that was, the that years was when the Europeans that, came over, wasn't it? That, yes. Yuhai yes, and David the Europeans Knight. Come over. Those guys were fast. Yep, yep. <laughs> yes, yes, they were. And uh, Twice I two times I finished uh, second to U-Haul, and I finished second to Knight uh, the first year he was over here. So those guys, yeah, they come over and uh, they raised the the bar quite a bit for us. And uh, you know, I mean, I I beat those guys, you know, not not regularly, but I did beat both of them. And in my opinion, those guys were definitely the some of the toughest. Uh, you know, guys to come over. And Watts was tough when he came over, and I think he may have won in 2000 or something, but I was still fairly new to the pro class on the bike, and he came over and stepped it up, and then, you know, when those guys, when U-Haw and Knight come over, they stepped it up again, so. Yeah, we got to see uh, a little bit of the Europeans in the, the ISDE this past uh, month with Hoop from Digital Off-Road, and, man, I'm telling you, those guys are so fast. And he was talking about when U-Haw and David Knight had come over and, uh, you know, hoping that maybe that a couple of the French guys or some of the other, uh, you know, Australians that are really looking to come over to the GNCC series could make it over. We know that, you know, everybody says that budgets are tight. You know, people just have to figure out their race program and figure out how to make it work. But, you know, we've had a, you know, with Charlie Mullins getting the win last year, you know, we finally have an American, not finally, but we have another American, you know, with the with the overall XC1 win. So I'm thinking maybe the Europeans are like, oh no, we need to we need to get another one back over there. You know, Wibley's doing good and he's fighting with Russell right now, but uh, there's definitely right. you know there's there's some more guys that want to come over and they want to race and I think that that's awesome. Uh, I personally, again, I didn't grow up you know in the GNCC series and I just did not realize you know that it is watched on such a world class level um, and it's it's really neat to see that these guys uh, that these guys want to come over and race. Yep, yep, for sure. I mean, it's those guys. And I guess, I mean, there's some guys that can come over and win. Uh, I mean, Yuha did it and David did it, but those guys are almost freaks of nature, I guess you could say, <laughs> because you look at us going over to, like, the six days, you know, I've had, 
numerous people ask me, why don't Americans do good at six days? And I said, it, it, I think it comes back to it's not our style of racing because we race for three hours or two hours or if it's works or whatever. But, you know, we kind of, you, you, gotta, you can't go all out sprint style for three hours. It, it, it's physically impossible. You'll wear yourself out. So basically you have to figure out how fast you can go to still have enough energy at three hours. Yeah. So, and that's what Caleb Russell and, and Thad Duvall and, and Charlie Mullins, those guys have raced GNCCs, and they've done it since they've raced mini bikes. So that is our style as what we brought, were brought up to race, where the Europeans are sprint, and, you know, they can go fast for three, four, five, six miles and sprint all out because that's what they've done since they've been young. Right. Now, there's a couple guys like Knight and U-Haul was able to, to figure it out, but there's only probably a handful of guys in the world, in the world Enduros, that could, could do that. Like, uh, you know, probably uh, Nan Boten, I guess, won the overall. You know, he may be able to do it, and, and Mio, you know, there's probably a couple guys that would be able to maybe figure it out, but there's only a handful of guys that could come over and figure it out. And and likewise, if you took Charlie Mullins or Thad Duvall or Caleb Russell and you put them in the world Enduros and you give them two or three years, they could probably be at the top of that, probably. But, you know, and there, there's only a handful of guys in the whole world that can cross over to do that. So it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, just the style of racing you've come to know and, and what you how you know to do it. Yeah. Well, this Actually, uh, phenomenal points. It was great to see uh, Thad Duvall and Charlie Mullins at the Six Days this year. They, For their first year um, at the Six Days, they did extremely well. Um, each of them having kind of off days and stuff like that. But, man, they I think those two guys are going to create some very strong teams in the future, and I hope that they can take that momentum that they learned and uh, teach it to a bunch of other teammates as uh, they kind of move throughout the year so that we can start getting some trophy teams up there you know, in the first place spot. I think that's where we need to be. One guy that I think is going to be able to help us do that, though, is XC2 champion last year, Stuart Baylor Jr., who just won the National Enduro title. I don't know, uh, Barry, did you get to uh, hear much about that yet? Uh, actually, just on Twitter, I haven't talked to him. Uh, actually, I haven't talked to him since St. Clairsville GNCC. But, uh, I mean, you know, seeing... Seeing the stuff on Twitter and all that, and you know, I did do, I, I did see that, and actually, I'm very, very impressed with that. Uh, you know, I guess what he's 18 yeah, years old. 18 years old, and already so, has two, uh, you know, pro championship titles. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I, if you put Stu over there right now at six days, I think he's not going to beat Charlie Mullins or Thad Duvall. I think he needs a couple more years of experience for him to go over there. I think if you put him over at six days right now, he could probably do really good in a couple tests, but he's not going to do so good in a couple more tests. Yeah. Where if you give him a couple more years, or say if he does go to six days next year, and he'll have an up-and-down test here and there, and then every year he'll get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, and figure it out, then you know I think it's he, he definitely – definitely has a bright future in off-road, that's for sure, to be 18 years old. And something else I just want to throw in there was yeah. at the last race, at the St. Clairsville race, his brother Grant, I was uh, actually, it was after the UTVs had raced on Saturday night, and I was making 
a change on Saturday night before it got dark for the youth bikes on Sunday morning. So I'm making this change and putting moose tape up and arrows, and here comes Grant Baylor and another guy come walking down, and and I know Grant rides 250A, and I looked at him and I said, hey, youth goes that way, and pointing, <laughs> you know, the way the youth were going. And he just looked at me and smiled, and, and he's like, you know, I could still race youth. And I stopped and looked at him, and he said, yeah, I could. He said, actually, I could race youth again next year. And I just I just looked at him like I, I couldn't believe it. I'm, I mean, he's he's basically he's on the same lines as, as where Stu was. It, it may may even be ahead of where Stu was when Stu was 15 years old. Yeah. So, you know, I think in, in a couple more years, those two, who knows, could be battling out for the GNCC championship. So, you know, it's that's it's crazy for me to think. I guess that just proves I'm getting older. As you know, <laughs> Grant Baylor, you know, could still ride the youth class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the it's, kid's like 14, 15 years old, and it it is kind of nuts. And that's actually one of the things that uh, Hoop and I spent quite a good amount of time talking about was that it's neat to see how fast Baylor is or a stu- you know junior is, but the fact that his brother Grant is you know three years younger than him and almost as fast as he is now it's gonna just watching both of these guys evolve and then you know a lot of the younger guys too moving up is gonna be really really nuts but one of the things that's coming down to the line for the xc2 is gonna be the battle here at ironman before you know the one race before i guess they call it the pin ultimate round the one right before the last of the xc2 class and the xc1 class so the xc2 class were very very close jason thomas just got the points lead at powerline park over uh, Baylor, and then Andrew DeLong. So they're all, if I were to try to do math very quickly, you know, uh, it's not going to happen. But they're like all 12 points apart in the XC2 class. I mean, again, I'm not one for predictions, but Stewart has been riding well. But ever since his injuries, he hasn't been as consistent. I don't know if he lost that little bit of flair or that consistency that he had going mentally. Um DeLong, riding extremely strong, had a couple bad races or like little things that happened uh, past couple races, but came off of the six days in a good spot. And then Thomas came off the six days in a great spot and came away with that win. So, you know, do you have any kind of idea of what you, you know, do you think that Baylor's going to be able to carry some kind of consistency through? Or do you think that DeLong's going to be, you know, just, you know, trying to find well, blood in the water? What I mean, what do you, how do you feel about all this going down? I, I, I personally, there's two things with Baylor. One is uh, the wrist that he hurt earlier this year, which I heard he broke his navicular, which I broke the same thing back in, uh, I think it was 2003, 2004, something like that. No, it was 2007. I broke my navicular, which is the worst bone that basically you could ra- break because it takes so long yeah. to heal. I don't know what Stu had done with that. If he had, a, I had a screw put in mine, and the doctor told me so. Once the cut heals from surgery, you can go do what you want. It's going to hurt like crazy, but it's the screws in there. It's not coming right. apart. If Stu had that done, I know what he's going through because it hurts like crazy. And if that is the case, that's probably why he's good at the beginning of the GNC season. Later on, he's on it it seems like he's maybe losing positions and falling back and maybe it's hurting him, which makes perfect sense to me if that is the case. If not, the other thing is with Stu is maybe 
he in the back of his head he's thinking about the enduro championship you know he's thinking well I, if i just keep finishing okay in the gncc's I, I still got the enduro championship you know to go you know i need to worry about that yeah. So that could have been on his mind. Well, yeah, he he just oh, got that wrapped up. So obviously, we're going to see if that's right. uh, what comes well, up this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was going to. That's the next thing I was going to say is now that that's wrapped up, I'll be curious to see if he's going to go all out here to you know maybe try and get away from those guys early in the race and see if he if he if he can do that. If he falls back later in the race, then I think that's going to go back to the wrist issue. I mean, nobody really knows for sure but him. But that, that's almost my prediction with Baylor is if he falls back, it's the wrist is still bothering him. If he just stays in front of those guys and pushes all day long, then it goes back to he was worried about the Enduro Championship, which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now with Thomas, Thomas has the points lead, and I talked to him earlier this year, and he, you know, he asked me, he's like, "What do I need?" You know, I'm in a, in a good position. He wasn't in the points lead at the time, but he said, "What do I got to do to beat this guy?" I told him, I said, "You don't need to do, don't change anything drastic with yourself or your bike. You're right there with them. Just keep doing what you got to do, and put yourself in position to be there at the end of the race." And he's done that. Yeah. Absolutely. With DeLong, I, I've ne- I haven't talked to DeLong a whole lot, but to me, he kind of almost reminds me of of myself. I mean, not riding the bike so much, watching him ride his riding style. Everyone told me that I always had a terrible riding style, <laughs> but at the end of the day, results don't show riding style. Yes, you got that With right. With him, it <laughs> seems like he's not, he's not a super strong starter early in the race, but He's almost like a diesel. Every lap, he just gets faster and just keeps tracking those guys down and, and can be there at the end of the race. So, I guess looking at it on paper, you know, uh, who has the advantage? Uh, right now, I would say Thomas has the advantage because he's got the points lead and he really hasn't had any issues. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to put my money on any of them because all three of them are capable of winning and they're all going fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DeLong did make the comment to us, you know, smelling the blood in the water. And I really think that that is uh, interesting. You know, you, you didn't expect that coming from him. Um, and so I, I think that from him, you just, we, we kind of got that. He, he's, he's willing to get down and get as, you know, as deep as he needs to and dig hard and make stuff happen for that championship. And I think that if you're yep. if, if he's given that chance to just completely try to annihilate the competition, that it's going to happen. Uh, he's so strong and uh, obviously a very consistent rider. One of the other championships Absolutely. that's going to be on the line going into Loretta Lens is going to be the uh, XC1. I mean, they're four points apart. You know, if Wibley were to uh, finish ahead of Russell in uh, this weekend, obviously that would then stretch points lead back out. But um, if he were, you know, Russell were to finish in front of him, regardless of placement, he's just going to pick up more points. But either way, there's still going to be, you know, light of catastrophe close enough to where it could go down to Loretta Lynn's. Um, I'm going to try to be at Loretta Lynn's to see this happen because the fact that we could have two championships crowned at Loretta Lynn's, it, I think that's awesome. And uh, I think Hoop was the one that pointed out that that's never happened um, and that it could be, you know, not only did we have some XE2 history, some XE1 history last year, but we're going to have some more this year. And I think that there's all kinds of fun stuff that could be going down on a little lens. So do you have any scoop 
for Loretta Lynn's on us track wise or anything that that we don't know about that could make more people want to come out and see all this awesomeness go down. I I don't have anything secret, anything that I'm hiding for Loretta's other than last year when we went to Loretta's we had the bikes on Friday, then the ATVs on Saturday and the bikes again on Sunday. Right. So we had like I don't know, 11 or 12 races in three days we had to pull off. So a lot of it last year was we could give the bike guys some good stuff on Friday that wasn't already ran by the quads. But we all, I also had to keep in mind last year that we had the bikes, then the quads, then the bikes again. So we wanted to try and get them a different track from what they had on Friday to what they had again on Sunday. So that was like three times as stressful to try and pull that off. <laughs> now, this year, since we only have the bikes on Saturday and the ATVs on Sunday, hopefully we can focus more effort and give the bikes more of the single-track type stuff that a lot of the guys seem to want. You know, whether we can do that or not, of course the weather always plays an issue in that. You know, if there's we can put really technical stuff in, and if it goes to raining or if it's predicting, you know, it's going to be really bad, then we obviously on Friday we change stuff up and take that really technical stuff out. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully everybody can come away from there on Saturday and say, yeah, we really enjoyed that. So, And I even had, you know, different people say, hey, we're doing Loretta's, you know, the bike Saturday and the quad Sunday. Why can't we do that at more of them? And a lot of people don't know this, but back in probably 94 or 95, I think we had four races that year that we did flip-flop. That's when Big Dave was still around, and, you know, he said, hey, we're having four. four and I don't remember which races were right. which, but we had four of the races were Bike Saturday and ATV Sunday. And our numbers dropped. At all four of those races, the numbers were down quite, quite a bit for quads and bikes. Huh. So, you know, yeah, the bike guys, that's, they said that's what they wanted, you know, the race before the quads got there, but it, it come down to the people weren't showing up. They were saying that's what they wanted, but they didn't show up. So that's why they got, got back away from that. So, you know, who knows? If, if the Loretta things is really big, you know, hey, you know, I'm not saying we'll never do it again, but if it goes really good and the bike guys like it and we have a great turnout and, everybody comes away happy then you know there there may be something more like that down the road but you know i guess in a couple of weeks we'll know we'll know what that's going to look like uh absolutely you do have that correct we will know in quite a few weeks how that's going to go over as i said i'm looking forward to being there hopefully that's going to work out in my schedule i'm trying to figure that out work is trying to be crazy with me right now trying to get me to go to chicago it's like what i'm in texas what about chicago sounds awesome to me right now i was like i want to be down here where i can ride and you know hang out with my family and my new baby and do some cool stuff you know i mean who wants to go to chicago yeah it's getting cold up there it's ridiculous yeah um probably snowing not yet but man i'm pretty sure that if i show up it's going to do something horrible because i don't even yeah for sure nobody nobody likes me around i mean seriously that's why i do this on the internet that way i don't have to be next to anybody it's just kind of the way it works you know i don't shower so it makes it easier right (laughs) but some of the people that do like having us around is fly racing this is an ad they sponsor us they are awesome that's okay i don't mind doing it 
Thank you very much to Fly Racing. You can check them out at flyracing.com. They are a very large supporter of Seed Time. The fact that we have tried to break boundaries in the way that you can get your podcast and your video from some of the races and things like this is because of Fly Racing. They're helping out. They're, they're sponsoring people like, I guess, me that have innovative ideas that try to figure this stuff out. I may not be the best at it, but I always want to make sure I'm pushing the limits, pushing the boundaries, and find a new way and better ways to do things. I feel that Fly Racing is doing the same thing. They do have their new Hyperlight gear out, and I find that that is one of the new innovative ways to do it. I've noticed a couple other companies that have had some light gear come out. You know, They may have taken the plastic uh, logos off and things like that, but with the help of Trey Kennard and Andrew Short, this new Hyperlight gear is the way to go. I, so please go check it out. 2013, their new gear, Hyperlight stuff. That's not just the good stuff out there. They got all kinds of fun stuff. Flyracing.com. Go check them out, everybody. We thank them very much for their support. And, uh, you know, that's that's Fly Racing. They're pretty much the awesomeness. But I want to know, Mr. Barry, on a prediction. I, I, I just, I have to have it. Like, straight up. What is going to happen between Wibley and Russell? Uh, what do you? What I just I need to know what you think. Screw it. <laughs> oh man, I, honestly, I, Wibley's. Well, that's everybody said Wibley has you know the advantage when it comes down to the third hour of the race. But in my opinion, I think Caleb Russell has it figured out. He knows what to do at that third hour of the race. Same as Charlie Mullins and the same as Josh Strang before he got hurt last year. Those four guys know what it takes. They know the speed they can go throughout the race and still have, still have some, some energy tank. left at the end of that third hour. Yeah, hmm. That's... <laughs> yeah so to, to predict who uh, – I'll predict – okay, I'll give you a prediction, prediction right, right now. now. Let's do it. Caleb Russell is going to win one of them, and Paul Wibley's going to win one of them. There it is. There it is. Two races left, and he picks two winners. Man, if anybody knows how to weasel their way out of that one, it's Barry Hawk. <laughs> you know what? You know what? But what what's what it's going to come down to is who's going to finish second. No, you're absolutely right. Whether, and uh, if you were to if you were to say, oh, you know, I mean, there's okay. Let's take the National Hare and Hound this past weekend. A little off subject, but okay. So this past weekend, Kirk Caselli is trying to catch up to David Pearson in the points. He has to beat him both races, and David Pearson has to finish third or worse for Caselli to get the championship. But So the last three races, what happens? All of a sudden, all of KTM's Baja team is at the Heron Hounds Racing. Now, I'm sorry, that's team tactics. Like They're hoping that they can get those guys in between him and David Pearson and take away some of the points. There's, you, know, you could say they're practicing for Baja, but there's some team tactics in there. KTM, as well, at the GNCCs, has a little bit of a better chance for some team tactics. Um, they have the ability to have more riders there. Um, you know, Wibley, with, with Ashburn on Wibley's team, now obviously he is a great rider, you know, but that's only one rider that could possibly get between him and Wibley, where, you know, KTM has a couple more riders that could wind up showing up and see if team tactics come into play. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's something that could happen. So... Right. Yeah, you're right. It could happen. Hopefully that doesn't happen, and hopefully those two battle tooth and nail at both races, and you know the best best man win. You know, I mean that's what we hope. Oh, and, if we could put just those two on the race for three hours, just to see if we could get a championship that way, that would be even that would be spectacular. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Okay, well, um, we, we did have some Enduro Cross talk with Brian Elliott and Jason Hooper as we've kind of done some of the little bit more live uh, episodes the past uh, you know, past couple weeks. Coming up this weekend is going to be another Enduro Cross in Everett, Washington. One of the things that this track, uh, reading up on their press release, is that because of the fact that they're pulling, you know, all the soil and all the rocks and all the logs that they use in the track from, you know, local suppliers, they're all going to be very moist. Um, and not like good Saturday evening kind of moist, like, oh my God, this is one slick freaking log kind of moist. So these Enduro, this, this Enduro cross track could be even more wet than what we've seen in some of the other ones and can create some utter chaos for some of the less technical riders. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, uh, Barry, how much Enduro cross you've watched or paying attention to any of the series and stuff like that, but do you think that, you know, Taddy Blazusiak is going to be affected by this at all? Is he back on it? You know, is Cody Webb or Jeff Aaron, you know, some of the trials guys going to really be able to step it up or is it still just anybody's game in this kind of situation? I, to me, I mean, I haven't been to an Endora cross in a few years, but to me, it seems like Taddy kind of got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it, it is Endora cross and anything can happen. Um, I actually, the, first couple years they had it i'm not even sure what years they were but i went out the first couple years and and tried to qualify i never qualified for the main actually i think it was maybe it was the second year they had it it uh the orleans i went out and actually i think i was third or fourth fastest in qualifying which now they've changed their format but back then we had you could walk it you had one lap to walk it then you had one practice lap and then one time lap and then you went into your heat races and i, I it may be different now i'm yeah, not exactly sure different but now you they give you x amount of time to walk it and then you get x amount of time to practice i i don't know the specifics i've done a couple of them in a i want to say it was about 10 minutes 10 15 minutes to walk the track and then do the riders uh riders meeting and then when you have your specific practice time it's like you've got 10 minutes so you do as many laps as you can and then kind of keep on right. keeping on Right. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit different when I done it, and unfortunately I never qualified for it. But um, I think the second time I'd done it, I missed the qualifying. I was like third in the heat and then third oh, in the semifinals or yeah. something. But I, yeah, I've, I've but been there. To me, it seemed like I was never racing for the quad or racing the bike. I was never a guy that just all of a sudden just exploded and done really good. I always had to kind of work myself up to – to going fast on the quad and work myself up to going fast on the bike over the years and and I didn't really excel at enduro cross if I'd have more time on the track maybe I would have done a little better but I think another thing for me was I'm not very right. tall and I, I it seems like the majority of the guys which I'm not sure how tall Taddy is but I'm sure he's taller <laughs> than me but it seems like the guys that are taller that don't if you have a trials background you're good or if you're tall, if you don't have a trials background and you're tall, you can do pretty good at it. And I don't have a trials background, and I'm not tall, so I struggled <laughs> at it. But well, at least you've you got know, great I, excuses. I, I wish else, I could have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, to me, it seems like Taddy has his guys' numbers. But you know, who? Hey, it's indoor across. I remember a couple years ago when I went out just to watch, and it was like. Actually, to me, the, the main is really exciting to watch, 
but to me, watching like the vet class ride is by far the best <laughs> for me to spectate because I'm eligible for that class, and I'm thinking, man, I can beat those guys. But you know, watching them, it's like they go good for one lap, and then you can just tell their tongues in the spokes, oh, and it's yeah. just like just carnage, and it's it's. Great spectating. Oh man, your sure. forearms blow up so quick in those races. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, um, okay. Well, then I think I want to say it's November 17th. Uh, I don't, it's the weekend before Thanksgiving, I believe. What would it take for you to possibly get to the Las Vegas uh, uh, Enduro Cross finale? It would take quite a bit because that is my wife's birthday actually that's a couple of years ago i flew her out there for her birthday and to, well it kind of was convenient because i'm like hey let's go to vegas and she's like oh for my birthday <laughs> yep. and then it's like well yeah the endora cross is going on and too. to bring him a bike <laughs> but uh but she, she hates to fly i mean she went for it back then but now it's like the kids are older and they're in school and it just it'd be really tough for me to pull off so i think we'll just I'll just stay back at home and watch the results on the computer and look at Twitter and, and just say, hey, I've been there before and been there and done that. And <laughs> you I can know say it's that fun. your forearms don't hurt nearly as much while you're at the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember the first year I'd done it, after my practice, I'd done one lap and it was like, I don't know, 40, 50 seconds, whatever. And I come off and I'm like, my forearms feel like I've been like riding for a half hour. They're like, they're just solid yes. as a rock. Yeah. It's they definitely it's it's intense. it's some good racing and I look forward to seeing what happens and seeing some of the videos that everybody puts together. Okay, I do have one quick question uh, that came from Brian Elliott and he wanted to know you said or he said that you used to send out packages to different sponsors and you know uh, people that were asking for things a lot of like random stuff when you would send him these packages, like if you were sending him a Jersey, you'd send him a box full of trash and your Jersey would be somewhere in the bottom of it. He wanted to know if there was anything to this, were you just being a prankster or if, uh, you know, what was the deal behind any of that? You, you know, that all started out years ago with Lou Lopez when he used to work at Sunstar. I don't know I don't, if you know Lou, but that's okay. But now he works, he works at parts okay. unlimited now, but anyhow, Lou, when he worked for Sunstar years ago, we was at, I don't remember, it was Randy Hawkins and myself went out to L.A. It was probably for a Yamaha thing. And anyhow, we stopped by Lou's house, and we had some bikes, and we left them in Lou's garage. So anyhow, the next day when we went to pick up our bikes, he had put stickers all over the bikes. Well, to get him back, you know, we're like, they weren't even our bikes. They were Yamaha's bikes that we were borrowing to go ride somewhere out there. So, we're like, we spent, like, two hours <laughs> pulling all these stickers off the bike. So, for some reason, I had to send Lou something. And, well, I, this must have been my daughter's 13, so this is probably, like, 13 years ago, 12 and a half years ago. I had a diaper that she had peed in. So, I put a dirty diaper in the box, and I sent it to Lou. You, you were a mean Well, then man. he had sent something back. <laughs> yeah. So he had sent something back to me. It was some sprockets, and they had put, like, grape jelly and all kind of stuff on it. So I just got a kick out of it, and he got a kick out of it. So from, that, from then on, it was like, if it was somebody that I knew could take a joke, I would do something to him, like what I did with Brian. And I remember uh, – Destry Abbott one time, I had sent him something. I don't know if it was a jersey or whatever it was. I'd sent Destry, 
and I put a couple uh, empty beer cans and like a National <laughs> Enquirer, and I wrote, I like put his face on it or something. So it's just, yeah. I mean, I don't send the stuff out now that I used to. Of course, I don't get what I used to from from the sponsors. Right. <laughs> but if I do something like that, and it's someone that I know will get a kick out of it, then I'll. I, Playing a prank well, I, I want to sure. tell you this. I am going to give you my address after this, and I just want to see what shows up. How about that? You, would, oh my! Would, would you like to bring back the this. old creative days? I think you would. Good. Oh yeah. Well then, we'll, before we know, either I'll text it to you or we'll figure it out because I definitely would love to see in about a week what the random package from Barry Hawk would be. <laughs> I think it'll be kind of fun. Well, um. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be, be good. good. I like it. And if it's signed jerseys at the bottom of the box, you know, that's not the worst thing ever. You know, a little bit of, little what is it, a little bit of prize in your in your Cracker Jacks, maybe? Something like that? Oh, Love yeah. It. Well, yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm almost out of beer, but that's okay. That doesn't mean that the bad times have to end now. One of the things I did want to mention, locally in Texas, we do have quite a few awesome race series as well. One of the ones that's finishing up their season ender this pe- this coming weekend is going to be the, uh, the TCCRA. You can visit them at tccra.org is their website for any kind of information if you're looking for it. But they have a great race this coming up weekend. I think the track's just over eight miles, and it's uh, right around Bridgeport, Texas, in case you guys or anybody is in or near the DFW area, please go check it out. I know Mark Cock and those guys have been doing, probably said his last name wrong. I apologize. They've uh, been doing a lot of work out there. And from what I heard from some of the locals that went and rode it this past weekend, that the terrain's awesome. We've been getting some good moisture. So please, if you feel like driving down from Oklahoma, New Mexico, or any of the other cool states, Louisiana around, come visit. Come race in TCCRA. Have fun in Texas. And uh, have a good time. Well, um, Barry, one thing I think that we always like to give everybody the opportunity to do is, is, you know, what's coming up for you? You know, go ahead. You know, you've got the floor right now, 2013. Give us, you know, a, a couple precursor and then as well, you know, where people can find you, maybe on Twitter, Facebook, all those kinds of things. Well, uh, first off on Twitter, I, I believe it is BHawk8 is my Twitter ding, handle ding, ding. or whatever you I would like to it. tell you that you got your Twitter handle right. <laughs> okay, great, great. Good thing is I have it up on the screen, too. So in case you got it wrong, the correct one was up on the screen. Okay, well, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm usually on Twitter. I really don't put a lot of – I don't tweet every day, but I usually look at it every day. I kind of get a kick out of stuff. I like when – some of the guys, I think it was a few weeks ago, well, probably a month or two ago, whenever Jason Thomas and Thad Duvall and who else, there was someone else in there. They was having a big argument on Twitter. I got quite a <laughs> kick out of it, but I am on there quite We're a bit. tweeting each other uh, really hard. But that was good. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, as for 2013, I mean, the plan is I'm going to be do, setting up the GNCCs again and uh, – you know, try and, like I said earlier, keep it fun for everyone and not just give the, you know, not just run the guys down the same old trail they had from before and keep everybody, keep them out there having fun. And then, of course, you know, everybody thinks, well, you know, what do you do with when it's not GNCCs? Well, Race of Productions has the GNCCs. They also have the Outdoor Nationals, Still City and High Point, and then they have the Loretta Lynn's, the Amateur National. So, you know, there's quite a bit that, uh, you know, I'm busy all the time and, you know, 
as is everybody at Racer Productions, you know, everybody's just wide open there all the time and trying to keep things flowing for the next year and keep everybody having fun. And, uh, you know, I'll be actually, this past year, I didn't try and qualify for Loretta's, but last year I did qualify to go to Loretta's. Uh, I won the the area qualifier in, my, in the plus 35 class. Then I got third in the regional and I got third in the regional to Scott Sheik and Keith Johnson. So I didn't, and actually the third moto, I followed those guys across the So you the did not line. do horrible. <laughs> so I was pretty, yeah. So I was, I was pretty happy with that last year. And uh, then I ended up getting hurt. Actually, yeah, that's a whole other story. I, Grant Baylor <sighs> hit me. It was totally my fault. I, I drove across the track in front of him. I didn't realize what I was doing. And So you were luckily, that guy, right? You were totally he, that guy at the races? I was the Yeah, I was yeah, exactly. You know, I ended up getting hurt, I got hauled off to the hospital, but <laughs> luckily Grant didn't get hurt. He got up and finished his race. I don't think he lost any positions. He probably lost about thirty seconds and but uh unfortunately it was a really dumb, stupid thing on my fault on my it was totally my fault. I just like I said, drove across the track, didn't realize what I was doing, but uh you know, that's, I guess, sometimes it's hazardous job or whatever. <laughs> we but all make mistakes. Luckily, you're... Anyhow, you're... yeah, yeah. Luckily, like I said, Grant, Grant drove away without any injuries. Uh, that was that was good for sure. Sweet. Well, cool, man. Well, we look forward to seeing what's going to be coming up for 2013. I know that. One of the things that we like to do on Sea Time is we always like to tell everybody where you can find out more about us. We're going to be around for 2013. And when I say we, I mean me and my little webcam. Actually, probably more than that. But we're going to figure it out. We've got big things coming up, trying to get this live deal going down and see how we can grow and maybe pick up some more supporters. So if you'd like to get in touch with us or follow any of the shenanigans that you might have found a good time here, seattime.co is the website. Now, if you happen to be one of those people that really enjoy stalking people on Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime is where you could find us, where you can stalk us, be our friend, like us, or even maybe poke us. Yes, you can do that on Facebook in public, folks. Now, Twitter. We are on Twitter as well. We like to tweet really hard. It's twitter.com slash seattime underscore co. You should probably find us send us a tweet send us something on twitter send us a picture i don't know just don't send us a picture of your sister because she's probably not legal and we're not going to be okay with that but the thing that's cool is that barry hack barry hawk had a good time i can tell just by his laughter i know that i had a good time barry hawk did you have a good time tonight i did i had a blast i'm glad Absolutely. you had me on hopefully hopefully you have me oh, back dude, in the future it's, yes we will absolutely have you back in the future i'm telling you man we just talked for about 55 minutes i had two beers and i know so much more now i may not retain any of it but that's okay this is recorded for historical purposes i will archive this i will watch it and i will learn from all my mistakes later but you you were great i wanted to say thank you very much you did not over talk yourself like you thought you were going to it was a grand time stay online before we finish this out, but thank you very much, Barry Hawk. Remember, folks, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. This has been Seat Time. Thanks, and uh, I'm going to hit the stop button. Peace.